Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen you are now, 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 now listening to two, 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 the P13 Podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to the Project 13 Gems Podcast. Ooh, ooh. Excited. Bringing you another valuable informational episode. Mm-hmm. Today, always, as always, having a good time with these, we have your, your host on this, Michael Callow, and sitting across from me in... The chair, these comfortable chairs at Studio Pod SF. Very comfortable. By the way. Yeah, very comfortable. TJ, you've done well with the space, by the way. Very good feng shui. Very. You got the plant in the background. For those who are in the, the nice painting radio or listening audio world, we got some paintings in here, geometrical shapes. We got some uh, portraits of the component parts of headphones. Oh. Fitting, very yeah. fitting. There's a microphone one. Hmm. I'm surprised by the typewriter. Is that a typewriter? It is a typewriter. That but one throws me off a little bit. It's next to the computer. No, that's that's fair. Kind of makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. But we're that, just giving you a visual of what we experience when we're in here. Yeah. So then it's almost like you, the listeners, are in here with us having Absol- a conversation. Absolutely. And you can always, well, I'll get to that before that, that R&B-like soulful voice that you hear in the headphones mm. is the one and only Mr. Thomas Conway. Right over there. Hello. Sitting across. Like the R&B, the R&B shout out. Smooth jams. Yeah, I'm not sure if my skill set uh, fits into that category. You, but uh, I do like to sing to my child. So you could be he's like only that. a year. He hasn't given me any <laughs> feedback yet. He might hate it. I don't know. That's all good. Yeah. But it could be like the Isley Brothers when they like talk over their song and they have like the back, the, the beats playing and they just be like, hey, baby. <laughs> Is that who those people are? The Isley Brothers? I don't know who they are. I just threw that out there. They're the only Got ones. That, they popped in my head when what he about said Barry White? R&B. Oh, it could be Barry does White. Does he do that too? I don't know if he does that. Luther Vandross? Maybe Luther does. Okay. Luther Vandross. I Got could it. see that. Yeah. Barry White? I don't know. Barry Manilow? Probably not. Mm. I get those two mixed up. I do too. But while you're listening to this, members, you can also discuss these topics and the topic that we're going to get into in Halo mm-hmm. on our topic line after the pod. Yes. So We're trying to get that, that going. Recently, we've uh, been experiencing crickets as I put a question out there. That's okay. It's, we'll, it's we'll building. We'll keep posing questions. Halo's going to grow and we're going to grow with it. Yes. There. Yes. So. Sign up for it if you haven't already. Yes. And if you haven't, come into the gym, let us know, and we'll get you going. But today, there are a lot of things in this world that we are told to do or not to do. For example, you could have a donut or you could not have a donut. You could choose to get up for work early or you can choose to sleep in a little bit longer. You can even choose to work out today or not work out today. But if you haven't worked out today, you can always work out later today because you get your workout in today, right? That's right. Come to P13. Come to P13. But within, within reason. What we're saying is you have choice, which again leads us to the topic of today, which is too fast or not to fast. One of the common topics you'll hear, uh, or we hear from some of the members here at P13, so we'll delve, delve into it. Delve, that's a delve. tough word. It is a tough word. So Thomas, why has fasting become so popular? Yeah, so this is a, uh, a hot topic 
today. Not like the store hot topic. In this day and age, definitely not. No, hot <laughs> topic. When you walk into that store, oh boy, it's like it's like so much teenage angst in one in one square footage area. Fair. But I will say they do have come some nice banties. I I don't even know what a banty is. All good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I know what a shanty is. I don't know what a shanty is. I think it's got multiple meanings. Anyways. Anyways. Uh, fasting so, and why it's so popular. Fasting. So, yeah. So, fasting has been around. Well, I mean, it's been around human history for quite a while to one degree or another. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of us, in a way, fast for some period of time. However, in today's world, it's become very popular and it could technically fall into the category of a fad diet, mm. right? A fad is anything that is like a trend that catches on, right? So keto, uh, there's what other fad diet? I mean, Atkins diet. Atkins diet. Uh, the Mediterranean diet is a fad diet as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's anything that like, at least the way paleo. I look at it. Yeah, paleo. At least the way I look at it is anything in which it becomes a popular trend and it's also a, a specific way of eating that may restrict certain things, mm-hmm. right? Or create certain rules around how you eat. I guess that's maybe a better way to put it. So like going no carbs and going just... Yeah, very low carb diet or... High fat. Yep. So, uh, the, so fasting arose as a fad diet in the early 2000s, I would say. It became really popular. Again, it's been around for a long time to one degree or another, I think. Bodybuilders have probably used it in show prep and things like that. But this was popularized by a guy named Martin Birkin, who's actually pretty beastly. Uh, Look him up on Instagram. He's still around doing stuff in the fitness world, but I think he's kind of moved away from what he initially got popular for. But he came out with something called the lean gains method. All right. And that was a specific fasting protocol. Uh, that, and we'll talk more about the different types of fasting shortly here. But his specific way of fasting was essentially a 16-8 fast, which means you fast for 16 hours in a 24-hour day, and then you have an eight-hour eating window. All right, and he basically came up with that to uh, develop a certain physique, right? Like that was his goal, was to get, get and maintain a certain level of leanness and so like, I mean, there were other elements to the lean gains method. Like one thing that he talked a lot about was continuing to lift heavy weight mm-hmm. to make sure that you maintain lean muscle mass as you're doing this daily fast. And that's the other thing he would do that 16, eight daily. That just would be his normal, that's normal day every day for him every day. Yeah. Um, it was also like high protein and things like that. Again, there's some other variables in that, but generally the biggest thing that came out of that was this 16, eight eating window. Uh, now it's evolved to various types of fasting and one popular, there's actually an app for this. I've downloaded it and played around with it a little bit. It's called zero fasting. And I don't know if this guy is the founder or the creator of the app or just kind of their spokesperson, but there's a man by the name of Thomas DeLauer mm-hmm. and he, uh, is, is I guess like the poster child for that. So he's like pretty shredded dude. I mean, really shredded. And uh, I think he previously used to be overweight and he claims that fasting is like what has really allowed him to get the physique that he currently has. Of course, his training plays a role as well. Like, you know, again, he lifts heavy weight 
I mean, yeah, overall calorie consumption plays a role as well. But so he, there's that app. Um, and you know, I think they have a website and a blog and everything like that. So it's kind of turned into this whole thing and other there's, there's other fitness professionals as well that have continued to popularize it. Ben Greenfield is one that talks a lot about fasting. If uh, you know who he is and they all kind of popularized it for different reasons, but a lot of there's a lot of overlap between people. There's a lot of discussion around what it does in terms of increasing lifespan uh, and a lot of things that it does for digestive health and cellular health and things like things like that. So initially, I think it arose as this thing to improve physique, mm-hmm. and it's now kind of evolved to, you know, I mean, of course, people do use it to manage weight, but there's all these other purported benefits to fasting that have led to the rise in popularity as well. I think it's also continued to become popular because as with most things in fitness that do become very popular, they get a lot of people think that they are shortcuts or maybe biohacks to (laughs) getting a certain level of physique or losing weight or whatever it may be. It's similar to how like certain fat loss supplements have become popular. Some of them have phased in and and then phased out because of various reasons. Like uh, I think in the 90s and early 2000s, like ephedra was really, do you remember that? I think I remember that. I mean, not so much. It was like, it was just a diet pill of some sort that people would take. And I mean, it ended up becoming very clear that it was like really not good for you, Mm -hmm. but it became very popular in things before I think the FDA was able to regulate regulate it a bit more and and stuff like that so (laughs) i just remember hydroxy cut was that was and i'm not sure what the ingredient is but that one still you still see commercials with fucking ronnie from jersey shore that's very true that's very true and uh and so you know those things are popular for a reason because they're easy to market Mm -hmm. and it does create this perception that you can get these results without having to with being able to do less actual work. This is one of those cases where it's like minimal effective dosage is, or min, uh, that's not, well, I guess we can use that uh, differently. I would say, well, I mean. The, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, they're trying to get to the goal with the minimal amount of um, resistance. Yes. That's that's Which more so what I was trying different to say. Than, yeah, slightly different, different than minimal effective dosage. Yeah. But yeah, they're trying to find the path of least resistance, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, <laughs> We talked about this a little bit earlier. People gone soft. People gone soft. People gone soft. They don't want to actually do the work that's required to get the level of growth, in my opinion, that would lead them to those results, Mm -hmm. right? Like, uh, I mean, getting to a certain physique can be a very transformative experience, especially if you go through, I guess, the, the more challenging way of doing it. Yep. Right, you can learn a lot, and you probably come out like a better person, and and maybe your goal changes throughout that because you're like, look, I got to maybe not quite my goal, but I got, I made a lot of really good progress, and I'm proud of myself because of that, and because of how I did it. Yeah. Rather than you know. Go back to our goal setting episode. Yeah. It's in there to help you out. Yeah, give that a listen. So, ultimately, I think it's continuing to become very popular because people think that it can be the one thing that gets them to a certain physique when in reality 
it can be a tool. Sure. Yes. 100%. But like quality is still going to matter. Yeah. You're still going to have to train and train smart and hard. You're still going to have to watch what you put in your body. Still going to have to watch. Yeah. Like you're still going to have to eat quality food. You can't just fast. And have Pop-Tarts. And have Pop-Tarts. They're delicious, especially the s'mores one. <laughs> I know. But it's not going to get you to your goals. It's interesting you say that. I've, I've had, and, and we've talked about it, it's like um, there's been cases, well, I've worked with people who've, in my old gym, in passing, they're like, oh, yeah, I've just been doing, I've been doing this fasting. It's the way to go. You need to tell everyone. And they get dogmatic with it. And we've oh, talked yeah. about being dogmatic with oh, yeah. in past conversations. Yeah. And I understand that, like, yeah, this worked for you. Great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You've also built around that. I think that's the other thing that sometimes gets crossed. Meaning they're incorporating additional things yeah. that have made it successful for yes. them. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about this and, and then I can. There's a lot of research out there about fasting at this point. And I think there is a lot of truth to a lot of what they have found. However, we need to remember with all research as it relates to nutrition, it's very, very hard to have every variable controlled. So some of the research out there potentially may have been performed in like mice or rats, which I'm not a scientist, so it can only provide us a another hypothesis, I would say. Yeah. And then what it comes down to is you got to just like test it out for yourself. And if you're a coach, test it out for your clients or yep. with your clients and observe the results that you get with, with humans because there's a lot of differences, right? But you're never going to get human nutrition studies that are completely generalizable as well for like generalizable, but then also completely controlled, mm-hmm. right? Cause you can't, I mean, there's variability amongst humans and then also you can't lock people in a metabolic ward for like <laughs> six weeks. I mean, I think there's some studies in which they have in the past, but you, you can't do it for very long. No. Yeah. Ultimately. So, um, but, but with some of the research, you have one more thing. I was going to say those studies are prior to our days. And we have come up with rules be- because of those certain studies. Yeah, there are ethical issues around yeah. those things. Thing and and even then, like, yeah, that doesn't account for variability in other lifestyle factors, I think, as well. Because you can have everybody coming in with a different health status. Maybe someone's a smoker. Maybe someone's not. You know, I don't yeah, know. There's, what there's I, yeah, a whole but that's a whole whole thing. So what research has pretty clearly come out and demonstrated is uh, it can increase longevity, so it can increase lifespan, whether that's because of the fasting itself or because it helps that individual eat a proper amount of calories. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say which one, right? Because it it has also been shown that long-term like calorie management can also increase lifespan. Absolutely. Right? And um, it can also, if you can long-term calorie management as well you can also lose weight that way exactly yeah and a healthy weight leads to generally longer lifespan so there's also research showing that it increases the rate of cellular cellular autophagy which is cell death which is important for normal bodily functions right our cells are constantly regenerating and in order for um, that to be done in a healthy way like cells need to die right i believe like the fastest generating or the cells that have the most turnover are the cells in your digestive system. I believe it's three days. Oh. And they're, so they're constantly turning over. And so your body constantly needs to be 
taking dead cells and excreting them out. Excreting them out. Gross. Just kidding. Everybody does. <laughs> Everyone it. does it. Um, it's the circle of life. It is. But like, also like your skin. Yeah. Your skin is constantly flaking off, right? I mean, that's dust. You're constantly <laughs> also gross. Like also gross. Uh, but real. Um, you know, even if you know, it's not even if you have dry skin. It's just your skin is just constantly, constantly turning over, repairing itself. Yeah. So it increases the rate of cellular cellular autophagy. We'll touch more on that and when that actually when in the fasting windows that actually starts to really happen at a at a high rate Mm. we'll touch on that later uh it shows that it can be a useful tool in weight loss and weight management some even say specifically fat loss there are mechanisms at play that if you are fasted your body is more likely to tap into fat stores because it works through the different energy stores in your body gets through muscle glycogen, and then what remains is fat and muscle. Is that why, I guess this is going to be a tangent, is that why a lot of people decide when, if they're like preparing for shows or things like that, it's like, I'm going to do fasted cardio in the morning. Yeah, because the theory there is if you are fasted, the the body will, well, and this will also be talked about when we go through the... I'm skipping ahead, my bad. No, 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 you're good. (laughs) When we go through the phases of fasting there's a certain point at which your body depletes the glycogen, the muscle glycogen. I mean, this is all averages as well, right? It's not an exact time. It depends on a lot of different things. And then after that point, the glycogen is gone. So your body will then tap into, tap the into fat. And But you would also want to probably make sure that the in that context that the cardio is uh, low intensity steady state mm. so that your body... because whether you're fasted or not, the intensity of the uh, cardiovascular work will determine what energy source the body prefers to use. Got it. Right. If you're, if it's high intensity, your body is probably going to want ATP, in which it will then try to find glucose in order to complete that process. Whereas if it's a lower intensity, the body will not need as quick of energy. And it can then uh, use stored fat for energy. Um, so then how about things like ketosis? Yeah, so uh, fasting can bring people into ketosis, right? And depending on how long you fast, that will determine how long you are in ketosis, right? Because ketosis also happens at a certain point in the fasting window. If your fasts are shorter, you just won't be in it for very long. That also, though, depends on what your normal uh, nutrition is composed of. Of course, if you're having carbohydrates uh, or if you're not having carbohydrates, it's likely that you would get into ketosis sooner in the fasting window. Got it. Some people claim they experience cognitive benefits. I'm not sure about the research on that. Um, It'd be very interesting to see. Yeah, it would be. And I'm not, I'm just not sure how you would study that. How, yeah, you're curious to know how you'd quantify that. I mean, you could do like memory recall tests and things like that, but like, I don't know if that, yeah. I mean, could you generally, I guess the question for that, and this is more of just a general, like, could you directly uh, say that that fasting was the co-contributor to? Uh, That would also be hard to um, quantify. It would be hard to determine that's the sole factor in improving cognition, but... 
I mean, I suppose they could probably do fMRI scans as well and look at brain activity. I don't know. Some people claims it improves body composition, which kind of goes back to the fat loss. And then more recently, there's research revolving around the gut microbiome and fasting's impact on that. Mm. Some theories that it, uh, well, generally improves the health of the gut because you're basically giving the gut space and time to heal because you're not putting food through it, right? Like digestion is a very, it's a, I mean, it's a process that involves the gut to work, right? Which makes sense. It has, the gut has to, the gut lining has to do certain things to absorb nutrients, absorb nutrients, process the the food. Yeah. yeah, And all that stuff. So if you're fasting, your gut is not having to work as hard for a period of time. And in theory, it can then heal itself. That cell turnover can happen without interference. Makes sense. Which is why like, the longer you fast, the more autophagy, the rate of autophagy increases. So you poop more. But there's, <laughs> Just uh, well. We can talk about it we'll when t- we get yeah. there. We, we'll, we'll, we'll get to we'll that. Touch we'll we'll that. touch on that. Let's, um, let's talk about that. And, and the then there's also research that, uh, that it improves immune health as Got well. It. So it strengthens your immune system. So that's, and again, like I said, there is a load, a load of research on fasting out there. And so if you're interested in diving into more of that or a specific, a specific benefit that I just kind of went through, you could easily Google search, Google scholar fasting and immune system and probably find a lot of, a lot of Ah, research on it. Very, very cool. Then maybe we'll post some articles in the, uh, in the, after the pod, after the pod, halo chat members get on there. There you go. You're missing out. If you're not on there, I'm talking to you, Winchell Winchell. Come on, man. Come on, dude. So then you said you talked about the 16-8 method. Yes. Um, what other methods are there? Are there other methods and what are they and how do they, I guess, what are some of the different effects you may get? Yeah. So some of those other. So the most methods? popular forms of fasting, there's there's quite a few. And this is what makes um, that zero fasting app kind of interesting because. It's funny that they call themselves zero fasting. Also, it's like you're not fasting. It just sounds like I'm not. Yeah. I think zero implies like you're not eating. Got it. Maybe. It's a metaphor. I'm terrible with metaphors. That's nah, okay. <laughs> the worst. It is odd. So so 16-8 is the most popular, right? Uh, well, I would, I would say it's I would say this the is the most popular. popular. Yeah, I've heard a lot sure. of people talk about the 16-8, um, more so than some of the other ones you've, you've mentioned. Yep. So the, so the basics of that, of course, like I said earlier, fast 16 hours, eat during eight hours. The pros, you never set, have to s- stretch yourself too far, mm. right? 16 hours is pretty attainable for most people, I would say, to do a fast. Because you done, can include your sleep, right? Exactly. No. Yeah. yeah. It's done daily. So it allows for you to actually build a routine. And then, like you said, yeah, it's it includes sleep. So if you sleep eight hours, which you should be, yeah, don't sleep six or five. It's not enough. Unless you're a short sleeper. <laughs> so if you sleep eight hours, that means that when you wake up, you just have to fast for eight, which, I mean, I guess everybody's different. But I, I think... I hear from most people that they're not hungry immediately when they wake up. You're probably not eating until right when you pass out. Yeah. Unless, you know, I you're mean, going on a bender, getting getting a caliber burger and then a pint of ice cream and you fall asleep with the spoon in your mouth, <laughs> right? That sounds like a that sounds like a personal experience there. I have a, I have a friend uh a little shout out to Chandler. Uh <laughs> 
who told me many times he'd fall asleep with a spoon of ice cream in his mouth <laughs> and then wake up and finish it. <laughs> Classic. Good times. Good times. So you think about that, like you're probably done eating two to three hours before you go to sleep, right? Yeah. Then you sleep for eight hours, you wake up, you've done 11. So then you just have to not eat for four to five. Which isn't. Which isn't too terrible. crazy. Yeah. The con would be like for breakfast, for breakfast eaters or early eaters, it can be a challenge or people that feel that they do best when they eat frequently. Yeah. And we'll touch more on that at the end of the episode when we talk like, should you fast or should you not? Yeah. And answering that question ultimately. I am one of those breakfast eaters. I love you breakfast. Are. Cal is a morning routine guy. Got to. He gets up at four. Yes, sir. When he's got to be at the gym at six. Yes, sir. When I used to have to be at the gym at six, I'd get up at 545. You also lived closer. I know. <laughs> it actually wasn't 545. It was maybe like 535. <laughs> get up, throw some clothes on and All right, walk I'll... two blocks to the gym and then get things going. Um, so then another form is 24 hour fasting. Uh, this can also be thought of as, well, and there's different levels of frequency that you can do this fast. Mm-hmm. Some people would do it like once a week, they're going to fast for 24 hours. Some people would do it once a month, they're going to fast for 24 hours, once every two weeks or whatever. But it's basically like you just choose a day where you're going to stop eating at, you know, I don't know, 6 p.m. on the the first day, and then you're not going to eat until 6 p.m. the next day. Hmm. Pros to that, it's like you only do it at whatever frequency you choose the cons would be like, I don't know. I mean, if you're not used to fasting, like it can be pretty tough. It can definitely be pretty tough. Um, if you get, in my experience, you kind of get used to it. And, um, with the 24 hour. Yeah. With the 24 hour, like there was a period of time and we'll touch on this a little later. There was a period of time where I tried doing once a week, 24 hour fast. And I actually kind of looked forward to it. Um, and I'll explain why I think that might be, uh, as we get to that. But, um, that one I've never heard. I haven't really, I don't hear a lot of this one, the 24 hour. Yeah. One. These, I mean, honestly, I would say almost everybody ha- like plays around with 16, eight, but mm-hmm. like very few people are willing to do the longer ones, mostly out of fear of like what would happen mm-hmm. when they do it. We'll touch more on that. Then there's OMAD. I don't know if that's the official term, but uh, that stands like, for one. Oh, I'm mad that I'm not eating. Yeah. I mean, I I'm guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that stands for one meal a day. Mm-hmm. This is also some people call it the warrior diet. And that was popularized by Ori Hoffmeyer. I believe his name is. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> um, and so basically what that is, you eat one meal a day. Uh, it can be spread out in a four hour window the way that he what does that mean can be spread like so that means your eating window can be four hours Ah. so you can basically have a four-hour dinner wow yeah (laughs) which is interesting i've played around with that one as well um and that one's interesting as well i'll explain what uh happened to me when i did that uh then there's alternate day fasting um where you basically fast like 36 hours or actually no those are two different things Alternate day fasting where you eat a day, fast a day, eat a day, fast a day. That one's pretty extreme, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like 36-hour fasts. And and then beyond that, there's like extended fasts. Like you can try to do like 72 hours. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
Then the last one that I'll touch on here is pretty a pretty basic one and easy one for people to get started with would be circadian rhythm fasting. Uh, so that basically just means you try to align your eating up with your circadian rhythm, which means that's like fasting at least like 12 to 13 hours every day, which is basically just like when around the times that you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. So you'd finish dinner at six, go to bed at nine, wake up at seven yes and then like eat it eight seven thirty i don't know somewhere around there somewhere around there but yeah so that's that's kind of how i mean most people would recommend at least having and i would as well at least having 12 hours between when you eat your dinner or the last whatever you eat the the day before and your first meal i mean at least 12 hours just simply to let the digestive system have a break. And I know I've had experiences where I'm trying to eat more and I've maybe like push that and it goes down to like eight hours or something like that. There's also the crazy like bodybuilders that like wake up in the middle of the night and pound a casein shake. We've all heard of those. We've heard of that. Yes, (laughs) definitely heard of those. I think Mark Wahlberg did that for pain and gain to get big for that. I'm not surprised. He was thick with two C's. Puffy though. And, but that uh, messes up your. Uh, that's a whole nother. Yeah, story. I mean that. That's like that's like extreme the other way, right? Because yeah. then you're not going like more than four hours without food, so your digestive system is basically never getting a break. It's always working. Always working. Anyways, so those are the the main types of fasts that that um, are out there. There's of course probably other ones too, but those are the ones that I've seen and and or like played around with myself. Going into your experiences. Now. Well. Before we get to that, we'll talk about what happens when you fast. Mm. So just a brief synopsis of some kind of timestamps as you fast and like what is actually happening. I won't go too deep into this because I don't think I know all the science about it, but this is just based on my understanding, some of the things that, that happen. So immediately after you eat, there's a few things that happen. Your blood sugar rises, yep. which means that insulin rises. Because if people don't know, as you eat and your blood sugar goes up, your body wants your blood sugar to stay at a certain level, right? And so that's what insulin does. It, it basically helps regulate you. It helps regulate blood sugar. So insulin gets released and uh, to bring blood sugar down. You can also get an insulin-like effect from lifting weights. Yes. Yes, I believe you're right. And also eating, there are certain times, so insulin is not always bad. There are certain times that you do want insulin, yep. um, like post-workout. So that's why a lot of people recommend positioning your carbs around when you train so that your body can basically make use of that, that insulin to drive nutrients into cells, yep. right? And your muscle cells are going to be craving that, that nutrition. So there's an increase in insulin. This is also why if you constantly eat carbs around the clock, people can have issues with insulin resistance, right? It's kind of like equating it to a tolerance of alcohol, mm-hmm. right? If you constantly are drinking, your tolerance uh, for alcohol increases. increases, right? And so it's like you don't because get that your buzz. body is constantly, yeah. because you, Yeah, so basically insulin is becoming less effective in your body. Your body is resistant to insulin, and that's, when, that's what di- or type 2 diabetes is. So... You know, if you're someone that your carb tolerance is not very good, that would you would want to think about 
how frequently you're consuming carbs and also uh, think about how active you are. If you're very active, you can maybe consume more carbs. If you're not very active, constantly getting insulin spikes is probably not what you want. So that's what happens immediately. And also there's an increase in, increase in leptin, which is a hormone that lets your body know that you're full. And there's a decrease in ghrelin, which lets your body know that you are hungry. All right. Then about four hours after that meal, you'll most likely start to feel hungry again, depending on the size of the meal. Of course, if you ate too much, you might still be full. If you didn't eat enough, then you might get hungry like two hours after. If you're trying to go based off of, if you're trying to eat, do more like intuitive eating, which is kind of what I try to do for the most part. I mean, I'll fast a little bit here and there. But if you're trying to do intuitive eating, like that's another uh, thing to keep in mind is like four hours is generally a good time uh, to start to get hungry again. If it deviates any direction from, from four hours, you would want to think about, did I overeat in that last meal or did I undereat as well? Then between four and 12 hours, that's when blood glu- glucose really starts to go down at the four hour mark and it will continue to until the 12 hour mark. And then the 12 hour mark is where it seems that there, that some of those other major changes start to occur. So between 12 and 22 hours is when, where it seems to be that ketosis kicks in and again this is where it's very the reason that range is so wide is because it's very dependent on one the individual and it's also dependent on other factors like what your last meal consisted of if it was very high in carbohydrates it's likely that you will go into ketosis potentially later in that window if it was low in carbohydrates you might be getting to ketosis slightly earlier in that window let's remind the folks what ketosis means again Ketosis is where your body basically switches the energy that it's using, like for the brain and for activity, from stored carbohydrates, glucose, to ketones and body fat, right? This is also where gut gut healing starts to occur because you've basically digested and processed whatever you ate 12 hours ago, right? That's completely like done. And then it's also where growth hormone, human growth hormone starts to really increase. So this could be potentially a good time to get a little session. Go hit the weights. Go hit the weights. Clanging and banging, as The Rock would say. Max out your one rep bicep curl. Yes. I have done that before. It's fun. (laughs) So that's when HGH starts to go up, which is a good thing for us to have. have. We want that. Then around the 14-hour mark is where fat burning really starts to take place and increase and then these processes kind of continue what's interesting that i found is uh and this is based on some information that i found at the 36 hour mark it appears that autophagy will skyrocket so that's where those extended fasts like and for the most part the people that i see do extended fasts the most are usually trying to resolve like some sort of chronic issue Right. So there's people that maybe have skin conditions or I've heard people talk about it benefiting conditions like PCOS, things like that. Some people even talk about its role in fighting of of cancer. I don't know a lot of the science of that, but like I do know that people have looked to extended fast to heal a, a bigger issue than just like needing to lose weight. 
people have also like, I think tried to use it for basically reversing diabetes as well. Ah. That autophagy appears to skyrocket at that six, 36 hour mark, but then it appears to stop essentially at the 72 hour mark. Interesting. So that's where like a lot of extended fast that I hear about, I hear that 72 hour mark is like where people are usually trying to go. Oh, did not know that about fasting. Yes. On my end. Michael is learning some things today. Too, I am. Folks. As you can tell, I do not fast as I've never tried. I've never played around with it. Yeah. I mean, well. it's, it's interesting. I like, so now we'll start talking about my personal experience with it. Mm-hmm. And this is where, again, I really find a lot of the value. The reason that I did experiment with it, I mean, a number of reasons, but one of them being that I'm a firm believer. And if I'm going to educate people on something, I need to experience it myself. So that applies to everything, my training, my nutrition, I mean, everything. And so that's why like in a lot of the training that we do, I have always, I've never given someone something that I myself have not done, at least to some degree, right? So that applies to flexibility, conditioning, anything. So when you're doing a 2K and you're whining to me and saying how hard it is, I've been there. Yeah. Right. Been, we've done, we've done it. We've done it. I've done things that are far worse than that as well. <laughs> um, so my personal experience, the the thing I have the most experience with is the 16-8. Uh, so I started doing that, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe in like 2013, 2014, right around there. And, you know, I found that pretty easy to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some things I liked about it. Like I really liked not having to wake up and like make breakfast. Like there was a time saving element to it. And then also in terms of like preparing food for the day at the time I worked in an office and so I'd bring my lunch and you know, I would just have to bring like one meal instead of like a bunch of snacks and, and shit like that. And previously I was, you know, I had just become a little fitness enthusiast, little (laughs) Thomas excited about fitness and lifting those dumbbells. Yep. And I was previously doing, trying to do the very frequent feedings so like eating every two to three or eating every probably three hours yeah I did not like that I always felt bloated there were often times where I felt that when I would eat my next meal my body had not digested and processed what I ate three hours ago or whatever and so I was actually currently at that same time kind of going through some digestive issues which maybe was related to that but I thought it was just related to like other stuff that I dealt with, I don't know, through college and stuff like that. So I was trying to figure that out. That's another reason I wanted to explore fasting. And so that is one thing that pretty immediately I was like, wow, I love this. Like I really liked, I could almost in a way tell that my gut was getting a little bit more space and time to like process things. And so I just, I started to feel like really pretty good from that. Um, how was your initial, I, I've, I've heard of people say like, oh, the initial week, how was, how was that for you? Yeah. Like in terms of like energy and yeah. things like that. I mean, it was a long time ago, so it's hard to say, but I mean, I don't think I really had a whole lot of issues with that, with energy. I think, I think when I first started doing it, I think I did have a challenge not eating for, you know, five or six hours. But then there are some things that help with that. Like at the time I would, I consumed coffee every day. So I would just do a coffee and that would pretty 
easily blunt my hunger because coffee blunts your hunger. Mm -hmm. I'd pretty easily blunt my hunger for the the fasting window and it'd be no problem. So I didn't have a ton of issues. There was probably for sure like a week or two adjustment period. But yeah, I mean, and then outside of that too, like it was, I, I think initially when I started, I was very strict about the eating window. Yep. I've sensed now, like I will fast maybe a couple, two, three days per week. Uh, maybe not even that at the moment, but it's really flexible. I'll get up and not eat breakfast until after like we, m- my wife and and my kid and dog, we go for a morning walk. And so I like won't eat until after that, which might be depending on how long things take with the baby to, you know, feed him chubby guy. <laughs> and uh first yeah and then feed bubba also chubby guy (laughs) um you know it it might not be until 11 30 that i'm eating and maybe the night before i was done eating at like nine or something like that so that's 14 hours right so not i'm not like watching the clock you know for the 16 hour mark to be like oh i can eat my first meal so it's kind of interesting you say that because there's some of the people who i've like had a conversation about this with Mm -hmm. they are very you, they keep very strict about very it. Strict about it. Yeah. So I, I guess it's just it's, it's to each their own, you know. And for some people, being strict about it would work better. Mm-hmm. For other people, that can create a little bit of like neurotic tendencies, anxiousness, anxiousness, right? Yeah. So, um, so for me, I just am much more. And again, like I think right now, I'm trying to intuitively eat a little bit more. So there are plenty of times where I wake up in the morning, and I'm just not hungry. And so I'm like, I'm just not going to eat right now and I'll go do some stuff. And then I'll be like, oh, I'm hungry. Like, let's go make food. And maybe it's only been 13 hours mm-hmm. that I've fasted. So that's that's a pretty like, I don't think that the 16-8 is too extreme. And again, especially if you're a little bit more flexible with it, like it's really, it's really a manageable thing. So now let's extend the time period. Yes. Talking about the 24-hour fast. Yep. So, so you said you've done it. I have, I have. And, and there, like I said, there was a period of time where I did cause, and it was right after I started the 16, eight, I was like, this is good. So maybe more at one time is a little better. And so I tried it. I tried doing once a week at the same time, like I'll also preface this by saying, um, again, I was, I was trying to resolve some other digestive issues. So my nutrition was very specific, I guess. And I was eating very, very clean. And because I was eating so clean, I was not consuming enough calories overall. And I'll explain how I know that momentarily. So no caliber burgers. No caliber burgers. I I don't eat caliber burgers too often. <laughs> I know Kevin Tazala is going to get on my ass about this, you know, because he likes to be all high and mighty and talk about how he eats his chicken and I eat burgers and I'm a terrible person for it, but... <laughs> We'll talk about that later. Shout Taz. out Kevin. Shout out Taz. What's up? Um, <laughs> so I was eating very, very clean and I think it, which is fine, but like, I think I was not eating enough food overall. Uh, so the 24 hour fast, the experience of it, like I said earlier, I really enjoyed, um, after I did it a few times, the first couple times were definitely hard. I had never really done a 24 hour fast. So the body was a little bit like, like I got a lot of hunger pangs. How'd you deal with those? Uh, I think at the time, I mean, again, I think I was still, con- I was consuming coffee daily. So I might've had a coffee or maybe I didn't. I think actually the first couple times I didn't just to really let the gut heal because mm-hmm. coffee will interfere with that. 
So I think I just drank water. And then actually what really helped was like doing stuff. Hmm. So like going for a walk or doing something active, but also not really strenuous because I was just like feeling it out. So I didn't want to like do anything extremely strenuous and just like feel not great. So doing stuff, staying busy. Um, you could also meditate during that time, you know, kind of, kind of whatever. But what I found was interesting is I would get some really strong hunger pangs and then they would subside. Right. And they would stay away for like quite a while. And then maybe they would come back a little bit, but like, it was almost like the longer I went, the less they happened and the less intense they were to the point where the 24 hour mark came. And I was like, I actually feel pretty good, you know? So Hmm. What I would also say too is I did feel like my digestive system health improving. Kind of like got a little reset. Yeah. I'm not really sure how to explain how I know that other than just like it felt like it. Um, That's going back to that's intuitive though. Like where you talk about all the time with training, like if that makes you feel good. Right. And I could just really tell that like my gut was was happy with, with taking a break from food. So then did that lead you into your third experience with the warrior diet? Well, before I get into that, there's one other thing with the 24 hour fasting. And that's why I prefaced it by saying I was eating very, very clean and probably not eating enough overall. I lost a significant amount of weight. So it became the lowest that I ever weighed as an adult. And I was 190 pounds. That wasn't the goal at the time, was it? Uh, or was it? and if it was necessarily, no, I mean, not to get that light. I was, yeah, I was not really trying to lose weight, but yeah, I was pretty, I was like skinny and I lacked strength as well. I think I had also taken a break from training at that time because it was a busy time in my life. So I think I took maybe a month or two off of training. I lost a lot more weight than I'd wanted to. And what's interesting though, is about a month or two later, I had gained 20 pounds back. And it was like a pretty good 20 pounds. I mean, so like not just like fat. So that that's kind of interesting, like potentially with all this fasting and like a bit of calorie deprivation, when I then increased my food consumption, it's almost like my body was really primed and ready for it. And you were able to absorb more nutrients. Yeah, potentially. Potentially. Don't we don't know. Yeah. That's the big um, thing with that. So, so yeah. So that is one thing to consider is that if you do that, the frequency of that matters. I think if you're not trying to lose a lot of weight once per week is probably too much. And instead maybe doing it once per month, if you want to play around with that. Uh, then more recently I tried OMAD one meal a day. Part of that was because of my work schedule. So coaching in the gym, we are, you know, doing stuff like all day, you know, I mean, until for me until like I'm done coaching at like seven fifteen PM. So I was finding it hard to consume a lot of food during the day. So I tried OMAD. Similar kind of thing, though. Like, I think I lost more weight than I wanted to. It also made training very difficult to get effective training in and also get the results I was looking for. And then additionally, it was super hard to eat enough food in one at sitting. one time. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, I had to gorge and I was then even still like losing weight. Did you find yourself having to eat everything within a certain period of time so you could just like hold it in or like get it all well, in, I should say? Oh, you mean like eat fast? Yeah. Um, 
not necessarily because I was so hungry. Like I was very hungry. So I could crush like, like two pounds of meat, mm. you know, and like, and still be like, all right, I'm, I can have a little bit more of something and then eat something else, you know? But then the other problem is, um, it definitely did not, I didn't sleep well because I just ate way too much before going to bed and it was too close to my bedtime as well. So that's the problem with that. My lifestyle was too active to be able to do that consistently um, and and not lose so much weight. Ah. So, And I think that's one of the things I struggled with it, with, with having to dive into something like this is that I think I'm still in the mindset of, oh, I'm still playing sports. I'm doing, I'm staying active. Yeah. As well, much and as you I can. are very active, right? Yeah. So that doesn't mean you couldn't do it, but it would just mean you would need to keep a close eye on what happens when you do. Mm-hmm. You know, if and things start moving too much in one direction, then you can be like, all right, it's probably not the right fit for me and my lifestyle. And we've talked about mental barriers. That's uh, another mental barrier in my head. Yeah. to to work on right and overcome and right we'll be talking more about those down the road too and yes, i think we, we have one on on some of our previous episodes yes with absolutely mindset. but um so then this brings me to this next question should i or should i not or should you should you not yes that is the ultimate question mm. and the last thing i'll say with those two fasting experiences and this kind of ties into if you should or not it feels really good to fast. And there's a reason for that, a biochemical reason for that. It is because the longer that you fast, the more adrenaline your body will release. So know. on those days that I was doing OMAD, when I was coaching those evening classes, I was fucking like on point. Excuse my language. I was on point. Like it was just, I mean, I felt so sharp, so sharp. But that's because my body was uh, uh, releasing adrenaline because my body is going without food for an extended period of time. And so it's like we are getting to a point where we need to find food. Because of that, the body will release adrenaline to be like, I'm going to help you find food with this additional energy. The problem is you do that chronically, you start getting into adrenal fatigue. And chronic, I mean, kind of like, again, stress episode. We did a stress, stress episode. episode. You're chronically stressing your body out, right? That. So that's just one thing to consider, right? Is like, pay attention to that. If you start to find that you're just like overly fatigued often, that could be part of the reason why. And for me, that definitely was one thing that was happening. I only giggled a little bit there because I'm just thinking of being hangry. In a sense. Yes. (laughs) If you're someone that deals with that, fasting can actually be helpful because it shows you what true hunger is. That's one thing I would say that I pulled from these experiences is it showed me like what actually being hungry was like because a big problem that people have actually is turning to food when they're bored. Yeah. And they're not actually hungry and it's more behavioral, right? So this showed me that like at you know again when I did those 24-hour fasts like I would actually get hungry there which makes sense because I'd gone 24 hours without food this is another layer that you may not get just from listening to a fad diet because someone else did yes right so personal experience is important 
So again, should you fast? It depends. People it may be helpful for. It can help in managing weight Mm -hmm. just because it creates a little bit more boundaries for people. It's also truly hard to overeat when you have a smaller feeding window, especially if if you're eating whole unprocessed foods. Try eating, you know, try overeating potatoes and some source of meat. Ribeye. Ribeye, if you're like me. Um, And vegetables. Pork. Like, good luck. Pork. (laughs) Juicy pork. Try overeating that. It's going to be very hard. If it's a bunch of processed food, you could still definitely overeat that in an eight-hour window. So keep that in mind, and that actually leads to the next point. Fasting is not an excuse to eat a bunch of shit. Yeah. A lot of people think that that's what they can do. But as we said at the beginning, food quality still matters. So you can't fast for 24 hours, go to Bob's Donuts, and get the big donut. Mm. Plus an apple fritter. And some Plus an eclair and some donut holes and be like, that's my food for the night. I fasted, so it's all good. (laughs) The reward (laughs) system doesn't equate to that. No. No. the big thing um it can also be helpful for busy individuals especially if their only access to food during the day is not good so if you're like traveling a bunch um and you can only get airport food which more often than not is like not the greatest it can be a nice little strategy so that you can fast during that time and then when you get to a place where you know you can find quality food then you can eat it can be helpful for people with certain conditions as i mentioned earlier i've heard it used in PCOS treatment. I've heard it used in like clearing up skin conditions. There's, there's various things. And I think there's probably a lot of research on that, that people could dive into. Uh, people it may not be good for if you are trying to significantly increase size, strength, and performance. Mm -hmm. I think that fasting can interfere with that. You know, again, like there's physique building, which is one thing. And then there's like trying to get like truly strong, trying to get truly bigger, Trying to put on trying to perform better athletes. You know, if you're like an athlete, like fasting is, you know, maybe not going to be the best for you. Um, Your body's just in high demand all the time. Exactly. Yeah. And then people who are highly active or have active jobs. So again, my experience with OMAD and like just I'm running around all day. So it's just way too hard to get all my calories in the eating window that I was providing myself. Construction workers, you think? Depends on what you're doing, maybe. Uh, I mean, they're they're doing a lot of labor, so that would be pretty tough. Yeah, pretty tough to fast and like, yeah. So they any kind of man, be, any yeah. kind of manual labor, manual really. labor, and then people who have a history of eating disorders. So a lot of times, what can happen is like I kind of mentioned the story of of or the scenario of people fasting and then just eating a bunch of crap. A lot of people can use this as an excuse to binge. And so if you have a history of binge eating or something like bulimia or something like that, you would probably not, it, it might not be good for you, right? I mean, you could certainly try it. I would recommend trying it under the supervision of a either a medical professional or a, a registered dietitian or something mm-hmm. um, that can help you through the process, but uh, it could certainly trigger binges and things like that. So just, just a thing to consider. Conscious consumption. Yeah. Yep. So ultimately, try things. If it if it works for you, then that's great. But remember that it is not it is not an end all be all. Is that the right term? Yep. End all be all. It is. In terms of getting to your goals. Like there are plenty of instances in which people 
achieved a certain level of fitness or physique or whatever eating every four hours every four hours yeah There's so a, yeah so just keep that in mind and as always avoid the bullshit Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production. So absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. You can find myself at Kemifan, that is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social media? You can find me at Conway Bunga. That's C-O-N-W-A-Y-B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.